Welcome to Highway 89, Utah's most scenic musical byway. Broadcast live from the studios of BYU Broadcasting on Classical 89 and Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Walter Rudolph. This hour, joining me in the studio are musicians Micah Brunson and Larry G., who will perform works for English horn and piano by Paul Hindemith, Eugène Botza, and John Steinmetz. Micah Brunson plays the oboe and English horn for the Las Vegas Philharmonic and lectures at the University of Wisconsin. She's frequently performed with the Utah Symphony, the orchestra at Temple Square, and the Lacrosse Symphony, and she works as a freelance musician with stage productions and studio recordings. Also worth mentioning is the fact that she is a baseball fan and follows the Philadelphia Phillies closely, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. Pianist Larry G. is a well-known musician throughout the Salt Lake Valley, where he performs with great regularity, teaches voice, and is also an adjunct assistant professor of piano at the University of Utah's School of Music. I don't know if he has any baseball inclinations, but perhaps we'll ask. I could easily say more about each of our guests, but for now, it seems that the really best introduction would simply be to have them perform. The composer of our opening work is Paul Hindemith, who managed to write sonatas for most of the instruments of the orchestra, including this sonata for English horn and piano. Thank you. 
The Sonata for English Horn and Piano by Paul Hindemith. You're listening to Highway 89, live on Classical 89 and Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Walter Rudolph. And with me is Micah Brunson, who just performed on the English horn for us. You're playing English horn, but you also play oboe. I do, And yes. oboe is usually the primary instrument. Absolutely. Well, you know, they don't give... I started playing the oboe in Delaware in fourth grade. So I was all of nine or eight. And so there's no way, as, as it is with my full-grown hands, um, there's no way my, you know, eight-year-old hands could have fit on the English horn. And, you know, there are so many parallels. The fingerings are almost the same. Um, the reed's a little bigger, and there are different issues, you know, with each instrument. But, uh, but yeah, you start on oboe. It's your foundation instrument. And if you play oboe, are you usually going to play English horn? Um, yeah, if you get to a certain level, you know, typically depending on your music program in, in their, um, you know, K through 12 schools, um, by the time I was in high school, um, I needed to play English horn for limited pieces that my band or orchestra did. And so fortunately, I had a teacher who had access to the University of Delaware's um, English horns, both of them. And um, there was a good one and a bad one. And when I got the good one, I was really happy. When I got the band one, I sounded like a dying goose. So, <laughs> so yeah. You play for the Las Vegas Philharmonic, but you live in Marshfield, Wisconsin. Las Vegas, Marshfield, not quite neighboring cities. How long of a flight is that? Um, well, it kind of depends on what city you fly through. Um, if I fly out of Minneapolis, there's a straight flight uh, from Minneapolis to Vegas. That's about three hours. Mm -hmm. It's about, I don't know, 14, 1,700 miles, something like that. I haven't quite mapped it out, but, uh, but it's, it's not too bad. Do you usually travel with both instruments? Yes, yes. I've learned over the course of freelancing that it is always better to have too many instruments than too few. And so even though I am playing English horn and that's all I've done this past weekend in Las Vegas, my oboe is in the case because you never know. <laughs> Now, those don't fall into the checked luggage category, do they? Oh, gosh, no, no. And I used to get trouble, you know, before September 11th and all the TSA regulations. Um, people would look at me, strangely, even in, like, the Philly airport, and I thought, come on, you guys have Philadelphia Orchestra, the ballet, the opera, you know. It's a great place to be a musician. And uh, But now they're all trained, and they recognize them. Now and then I'm asked to open the case. But, for instance, like my reed tools with my knives and my pliers, those get checked. But the reeds and the instruments come with me. Understandable. Now let me ask you, what's English about an English horn? <laughs> the answer is not much. I mean, except that, you know, you play it in a lot of Vaughn Williams and <laughs> Perry and, and those kinds of composers. Um, really, it's anywhere outside of the United States, they call it the cor anglais, which can either mean English or angled horn, and I think really angled is the best translation. Well, now you, you have to tell us about the vocal. Okay. Well, the vocal is what the reed goes on to. In the oboe, the reed goes right in the reed well at the top of the instrument. But the vocal, um, I'm not exactly sure why it exists, but it does. <laughs> With the bassoon, it's a little more cut and dry because you have to get the instrument to your lips. But, um, but yeah, vocals can have a big effect. A, a good vocal can make a, a good instrument sound great, and a bad vocal can make a good instrument sound bad. So I'm fortunate to have found a really nice vocal that I like. And they are significant, as you've said. Mm -hmm. Well, what are some of your personal favorites when it comes to the orchestral repertoire? 
for the English horn. You know, I'm I'm just glad whenever I have a part. Um, not always do I. I wish there was Beethoven. You know, there was an, a part in a Beethoven symphony or a Brahms symphony, but there's not. And those are absolutely beautiful works that I wish I got to play more often. But but yeah, I I like solos, but you know, like the Shostakovich symphonies with the four minute English horn solo, that's a lot of stress. I mean, I wouldn't mind playing them someday, but but I'm happy to take thirty second sound bites like in in the Dvorak New World Symphony or in Respighi's Pines of Rome. Do you want to play that Dvorak for us just a touch? Sure, just a sec. Thank you. From the Dvorak Ninth Symphony. Well, we have, we have music now by a prolific French composer from the 20th century, Eugène Bozza. He wrote a number of works for English horn, including this one that is entitled simply Lied, or Song. And here is the performance with Micah Brunson, English horn, and Larry G. on the classical 89 Steinway piano.
Lied by Eugène Bozza. Performed live on Classical 89 and Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Highway 89, and I'm Walter Rudolph. This hour, our guests are Micah Brunson, playing English horn, and pianist Larry G. Micah, wind players of necessity have a pastime of making reeds for their instruments. And I've wondered, you know, if you had a, someone who played English horn or, or made reeds mm -hmm. and was also a fly fisherman and tied flies, what would take precedence? Um, in, in my case, um, I don't like fishing, so it would definitely be the reeds. I like my fish at the grocery store already packaged and deboned. So. Well, let's get on to another pastime then, <laughs> uh, because I know that you're an advocate of America's official pastime of Major League Baseball. Yes. What impresses you most about baseball? Well, you know, I think there are a lot of parallels, at least to my mind, um, between baseball and music. Um, you know, there can be a lot of pressure. You know, batter gets up to the plate, or it's the pitcher, or it's the runner on base, and you're trying really hard not to screw up. You know, whatever you're trying to do. When you're a pitcher, you know, you've got, you're getting your signs from your catcher and trying to execute. And, and the pressure to execute is definitely a part of being a musician, because we have, in the 20th and, and 21st centuries, um, recorded works. And so yeah, the public expects at least the approach of perfection in what you're doing. And, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, hitters for the Phillies or, or any of the other major league teams don't even come close. I mean, they're happy with, you know, a batting average around 300. And if I, if my average of right notes was around 300, I'd probably they'd be sent back to middle school or something. But, uh, um, but, and, and it's very much a psychological game. I mean, you have to, when you're in the moment and the pressure's on, you have to figure out ways to calm yourself down and to get yourself focused on what's important. I mean, granted, I don't play to, you know, capacity crowds in Citizens Bank Park or anything like it, but, but you know, the noise around you, you have to be able to come into yourself and focus on what you have to do. So. Can you pinpoint where your love for the sport came from? Or has it always just been something you've enjoyed? Well, um, I went to, I don't know, hundreds of Little League games uh, when, my, when I was growing up. I'm the oldest, and I played some softball, and I was, um, I would say, mediocre at best. Um, I, I was just not that great, and I was not that committed. <laughs> but I enjoyed the game, and I understood the game, and that for me is important, understanding the mind game that happens. But both of my younger brothers played Little League Baseball, and they actually played quite well. And um, so I would go to games and learn strategy and, and root for my brothers and their teams. And, and uh, about once a year, we'd, or twice a year, we'd go to the old Veterans Stadium in Philly, which is about 45 minutes from where my folks live, and uh, see a pro game. And it was always fun, even though we were in the nosebleed seats. And, you know, it took half an hour to walk down and get popcorn and come back up. You know, it was still kind of a fun fun family event. Larry, why don't you step over to the mic? Are you a baseball fan? Um, my last contact with baseball was about four decades ago, <laughs> going to a uh, Yankee Stadium game in the Bronx. <laughs> well, you know, baseball is one of those few things left in our lives that isn't tied to a clock. Yes. And that's the one thing I always think about it. That's really great. And yet sometimes it does go on a while, too, doesn't it? It does. I, I like basketball because it action goes very quickly, and 
I can tell what's going on usually. Well, Larry, I know that you're also an opera fan. Definitely. So I want to know what you make of this next piece, and I'll give away the title right now, Sweet from an Imaginary Opera for English Horn and Piano. Well, it's, it's just so musical. Um, Michael was telling me that uh, it's one of the most musical pieces written for English horn. It has all the elements of opera. It's got these creepy bass themes. It's got a rumble in the second movement. You can almost hear the, the nasty crowd coming in to demand the execution of the main character. And uh, then uh, there's this uh, great dramatic theme that happens in the beginning, and it comes back at the end, and it's kind of happy, but it's one of those things that it's in a major key, but you wonder how happy it really is, so like, uh, like a lot of ambivalent endings in opera. What a great introduction. Thank you. So why don't you step over to the piano? This is the suite from an imaginary opera for English horn and piano by John Steinmetz.
That was Micah Brunson and Larry G in that live performance of the suite from an imaginary opera for English horn and piano. John Steinmetz, a fascinating figure in the world of classical music. He was the composer, but he's also a bassoon, and he introduces himself with this. To err is human. To really screw up, you need a bassoon. <laughs> but we'll leave John Steinmetz with that tease because we've come to the end of another episode of Highway 89. And we're very grateful to have had Micah Brunson and Larry G. here for this performance. Thank you, Micah, for performing. I know it's lengthened one of your commutes between Marshfield and Las Vegas and back. Just by a but couple days. What a rare and great treat to hear you play your English horn. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure to be here and to work with such a fabulous musician in Larry G. I couldn't agree more. And Larry, we're always glad to have you in the studio. Maybe one day you and I should go see a baseball game. Thank you, and it's always great to be here. We'll have to try to go to Yankee Stadium sometime. It's a deal. <laughs> okay. It's a deal. Thank you. But thank you for the astounding musicianship you always bring. And I, will, I want to thank also Christopher Wasden. Behind the scenes, he turned pages impeccably. Thank you, Christopher. Micah Brunson plays oboe and English horn for the Las Vegas Philharmonic and lectures at the University of Wisconsin. And pianist Larry G. performs regularly in the Salt Lake Valley and venues all over the country. He teaches voice and is an adjunct assistant professor of piano at the University of Utah's School of Music. Highway 89 takes you to any number of musical destinations, every one of them musical and memorable. We always welcome comments and questions about our programming. For information about the show, simply email us at highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting. The recording engineer is Mark Waite. The show's producer is Jackie Tatiishi. And I'm Walter Rudolph, always happy for the opportunity to help share music like this with you.